Welcome back to Chatterstorm. My name is Josh. I am here with Sam and Sarah once again. And this week, Crimson Vow came out on Arena, Magic's latest set of cards. And we have all been playing to see what we think of the set. So I am pretty eager to get your guys' thoughts on the new set. How do you think it's impacted the formats that you play? And what have you been doing with these new cards? Woo! Crimson Vow! <laughs> <laughs> were you not prepared for me to jump in that quickly <laughs> no that's that's completely fine i just um, wait for like okay. sammy to talk first that's just my general well word of i was waiting for you to talk first sarah i have been yes. waiting a long time wouldn't you <laughs> um okay i mean well, i so, can yeah. talk let's about wait, my... I... let's just wait let's just wait for sarah yeah i mean i can talk to, about my one to say everything she's got to say that's fine it won't Crimson take Bell. it won't take very long i had played one very unsuccessful draft oh no i played I played four games, lost the first two. I built a spirit enchantment thing because, well, the first card in the first pack was a good spirit one, and I heard someone say somewhere that spirits were pretty cool in Crimson Vow. Um, and the only game I won was against someone else playing a worse version of the spirits thing that I had built. <laughs> <laughs> Basically. What was the card? Really... What was oh, the... one second. I oh come on, Sarah! I took a picture <laughs> of the deck list. And... She's Sarah's one of those players that you know she's just so good at magic that she doesn't call cards by their names. Yeah, yeah. she um, refers um... to them as like oh the 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 two mana three two that draws your card. Like, <laughs> yeah, instead of Sarah's pack mate. So yeah. this this was we can like edit this long pause out right when i try to remember nope, what the good going card in. was i'm i'm quite uncomfortable with it which makes me think i should leave it in but then people will stop listening um oh, maybe, was it maybe you i think it, i think i don't know i i watched a a video lately um by contrapoints have you, either of you ever watched any contrapoints content on Never youtube i've heard of it nope um she's amazing uh and she does like some of the best content I've ever seen anywhere. Uh, and she did a video on cringe. She does like literally like 90 minute documentary style videos. And she did one on cringe, uh, which I only watched recently it came out about a year ago. Uh, and so, yeah, I think that uh, this kind of cringe content where, where there's just a bunch of awkward silence. Uh, I don't think people are going to be able to stop listening. That's bizarre. <laughs> ninety minutes, ninety minutes of cringe sounds awful. She is <laughs> like I. I don't even aspire to be a creator like her because she is just so far above and beyond what I think I'm capable of. So Sarah, you uh, say like, you say ninety minutes she's, she's of cringe. Quick. Sorry, Josh, you go. Oh, that was it. I was just. I was just. Uh, fangirling i really like contrapoints i was just gonna say sarah says 90 minutes of cringe is bad but like don't you go through 24 hours of cringe a day <laughs> wait are you talking about me yeah no, you didn't make you self. you didn't make that clear oh, sammy well, well, who's the only person you're with 24 hours a day sarah it's yourself you, you, Duh. you didn't make that clear because you said josh can you stop talking so i can say this and then didn't. It's, yeah because i needed to roast sarah yeah and then but you josh did it really badly like it would you know have been what, sarah, really funny if you were any good at great. timing no, it was good. It was just the timing was awful and made it really unclear to the point where Josh okay, didn't yeah. even know. You know and remember, so jo anyway, Josh is really, really follow smart. Follow us on Twitter so... at ChatterstormPod. <laughs> I'm sure. Um, yeah. 
Now, what have you been doing, Sam? Have you been playing Standard or Historic? Um... So I <laughs> I actually first started playing Historic because when Crimson Vow came out, I didn't have any money or, or, or any coins or gems to play with the new cards. So I was like, you know what? Screw this. I'm going to just play Historic and play <laughs> with old cards. Because um, I've been I've been really grinding out the Aaron Gettler's Blue-White Affinity. Which <coughs> is so much fun. Um, but then I got uh, I got some Christ Stun. I got some, uh, uh, some gems for a, a single draft and... Uh, Got, got a few cards and tried out a few decks and it was a lot of fun. So the first thing I did was uh, of some limited limited games. Uh, played some sealed, played some traditional uh, draft as well. Sorry, uh, premier draft. Uh, the sealed pool that I first got, uh, was I was really upset about this because I got the Olivia, of the, the, the main Olivia card, uh, and a bunch of really good Rakdos Vampire cards. It was one of the best sealed pulls I've ever had, and I was certain that would go like all the way. I would trophy it, but um, server issues happened, and Wizards deleted the sealed uh, event, and oh. I got I got my gems back, and I got the I kept the cards, so it was fine. But I was really upset because it was such a good pull. Um, it was when like the set first came out, and there was just terrible, terrible maintenance issues. Uh, and they eventually booted everyone off the server. And then when we went back on, everyone was like, why is there no limited available? And they were just, they didn't say anything. And then they were like, sorry guys, we'll give you guys your limited stuff back. It's like, I don't want it back. I want my sealed pull back. It was really good. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was, that was infuriating. That was, but I got my gems back. I got, I kept to keep, I got to keep all the cards that I pulled, all the rares. Um, and then I went into another one. I went into another sealed event and it was just, it was terrible. Um, yeah, this <laughs> happened to me as well. Yeah. So I was, um, when the set actually dropped, I was working on some stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had Covert Go Blues stream on uh, in the background. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he, like the, the, we ran into the same maintenance issues that I feel like, I mean, I, how are Wizards still al- allowing this to happen? I don't know, man. Like, like the release of a new set, <laughs> It has to be the time where they have a big spike in like in in player numbers mm-hmm. they're spending all this money on cinematics and marketing then they're, they're actually marketing this new set as a reason to pull in new and returning players and then the game is unplayable yeah it's it's really it's really ridiculous at this point like this they're releasing sets freaking monthly at this rate like what are they doing <laughs> why are they why are they still not i don't know man i don't think it's something that will ever be fixed either because realistically they just f- piss around for a day and be like yeah we're fixing it <laughs> maintenance issues we're doing maintenance and then they just go on their lunch break for like three hours or some crap and then they come back and well, like all right know, reboot it's just like it's some it intern over at wizards of the coast yeah. who is just like like rebooting a virtual server literally that's that's i'm sure that's all he's doing um, like just okay try it now no still no okay let me let me turn it off turn it back on <laughs> yeah and uh that's what it is and then and then it works fine after the day after the release day so there you go yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like maybe they, they they get all the initial players in write down like the numbers so it's like oh look how good we're doing and then everyone quits because it's not working they're like all right now we can actually manage it because there's less people using it <laughs> i don't know it's ridiculous but yeah it is and it's it's it 
happens so often. It, maybe it doesn't. It's happened maybe every it's kind set. of like a every set I've ever I, ever seen. I do out. think it has. Like I was wondering whether I was just sort of imagining that it happens more often than it does because I don't notice when <laughs> it's all working uh, as it should be. No, but it's literally yeah, every it release. And like you got one job. You got one job. <laughs> if uh, if the arena client I just don't get it. It can't handle a spike in players, yeah. and it's just so lacking in features anyway. <laughs> exactly. Like it's not even that good. Oh of a client. god! <laughs> what are they managing? Oh, I don't know. And uh, MTGO had some issues as well with um it did, some of the yeah. new cards. I think were incorrectly sort of. Uh, I don't know how to put it. Like they were incorrectly created, I guess. So that like their rule, the rules that they they have on those cards weren't mm. like properly imported or any or something like that. Um, yeah. And they weren't functioning correctly. So that so they had to they've had to pull those cards out of like limited pools. I think I think that's what they've done, mm-hmm. um, which is interesting <clears throat> and kind of lame. Yeah. So I can kind of understand the struggles around that because mm-hmm. the the comprehensive rule set that magic operates on is so complex mm-hmm. um you know it's it's complex enough that people you know professional magic judges have to be present at events to help decode rules on the fly mm-hmm. to actually code those rules into an application that's able to handle them all it's absolutely unsurprising <laughs> that mistakes happen and that bugs arise yeah um but yeah from what i understand wizards just didn't really act like they they didn't act on it the right way they're just removing the cards from in some cases they're removing the cards from their formats Mm -hmm. um in some cases they're not and actually i think that there is a little bit of a um, uh, this might be slightly outdated information now but i think there's a combo that is doable on arena sorry uh, on mtg online that isn't supposed to work (laughs) <laughs> um but it does because a card doesn't work the way it's supposed to so and stupid. and people are people yeah and wizards haven't fixed it yet and people are playing it um I, I mean i guess it's not really that different from people abusing glitches in online games which is a thing that people have done oh yeah since online games existed but there um, should definitely be a faster response like yeah especially game breaking ones like that where you can potentially abuse that kind of glitch to win many many events like mm-hmm. uh on or like you know you can it, it that's just a very slow response time in general for for the wizards team so i don't know it is what it is like maybe it'll get better maybe it won't either way yeah it's it's pretty terrible now so mm-hmm. yeah it's just frustrating so, yeah <laughs> yeah definitely it was a, it was a bad opening experience mm-hmm. for everyone for content creators like uh for for people just trying to play the game yeah. um and it was just like, it was just a perfect storm. Like I, I wasn't trying to play the game when Crimson Vow actually dropped, mm-hmm. uh, as I mentioned. But if I was, and I wasn't able to, then I would have jumped online <laughs> uh, to see if anybody else was able to play the game. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it just, it was it was a mess. Uh, I did really, I appreciated CGB's stream though. I continued watching it because he just fully embraced the cringe. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And uh, like showed off some of his paper magic cards and and That's just tried so to funny. fill the time. 
So that, um, you, you yeah. gotta feel terrible because because it's, it's, it's as well like they can't just really end the stream because they get so many viewers watching their things because it's the opening mm-hmm. day and then like you see those viewers start to drop because they're not actually playing the set and it's like well shit what do we do now like we have to keep them entertained like it's you you, you there was definitely like a sense of panic among like a load of content creators that were streaming that weekend or, or this weekend because it just yeah like they had to they were reaching quite high viewership so uh, yes yeah, just, yeah it, was, it was silly yeah this is people people bank their livelihoods on the mm-hmm. the game working which really shouldn't be too much to ask mm-hmm. but yeah so yeah that was my my first sealed experience and then uh god the, the second one right it was ridiculous because the second sealed pool i had so i, I was doing traditional sealed which means if you lose two matches you lose the event because it's best of three matches mm-hmm. um so the first match that i lost um my opponent had halana and elena which is really really powerful like it's just gonna snowball and win the game straight away um wasn't much i could do about it couldn't remove it um you know, lost that pretty pretty evenly, and then it was a best of three match, so they got them in both matches, and I was like, okay, yeah, fine, that's that's what it is. <clears throat> I queue up again, and it's literally the same bloody person. <laughs> and th- I I kid you not, they got Halana and Elena both games again. I got destroyed by Halana and Elena four times in two matches and, and lost the event. And then at that point, I was just tilted and quit and then stopped playing. <laughs> it, was, it was very mad. I was so mad. Like, what What kind of matchmaking is that? Why did I get them twice? It was ridiculous. I mean, it sounds like you guys have had uh, pretty limited experiences <laughs> with playing uh, with, with WoW Limited. But what's the general vibe of this limited set? Is it, is it uh, you know, it, does it feel like a fast format? Or is it um, slower and grindier? I think it's quite fast. Uh, the I'm pretty sure Rakdos Vampires is actually a very powerful list. Uh, so is Green White Humans. Like the training mechanic is actually way stronger than Mentor, mm-hmm. um, and it's very powerful. It can it can it can you know it can win quite quickly. Um, I do think it's quite an aggressive format. The the slower kind of decks. So you've got like the blue black. Uh, I think like blue black exploit decks and uh, sacrifice kind of things, and then you've got the because even the blue-white enchantments deck goes quite fast as well, because you're piling on like auras and things like that. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's quite an aggressive format, I think. Uh, and I can't really think of like a controller, more of a control deck. There's the Izzet deck, which is like spells and, and spells matters, and I think that is a bit slower. And I don't think it's good enough. Um, mm-hmm. There is that four mana blue creature that makes a, a one-one every time you cast a non-creature spell, um, which is sort of like a pseudo Talrand, right? And uh, it's Donal, right? Uh, I'm not sure what it's called. I can't remember. Um, but yeah, that's like one of the one of the better commons or uncommons in the set. I think it's an uncommon, but it, it's just hard to build like a good spells deck because there aren't very many impactful is it spells. Um, so yeah, but in terms of like the slower decks, I think you actually want to try and go aggressive and, and go a bit faster. So yeah, that's the general vibe that I get from the set. That might be completely wrong, <laughs> but you know, <laughs> you never know. Yeah, well, we will see. It's still very early days, and mm-hmm. uh, sometimes it can take some time. Yeah. Um, I do normally really like to play limited uh, at the release of a new set, but I haven't this time because I've been testing... Um, mono blue delver of secrets in standard yeah. because i just i i like delver of secrets a lot and i really like tempo decks mm-hmm. um so i built this deck in uh, the midnight hunt standard and 
I have been kind of testing it because it was it it was not fantastic in the midnight hunt standard. Mm. Um, like it just your best counter spells that like you you were running sword coming, which is really not great and feels too slow in a tempo deck mm-hmm. to foretell it and stuff. Um, but I think that the deck feels really strong now, really strong. Okay. Uh, it got a bunch of new tools. Really, just got some like it just got a bunch of cards that improve the quality overall. Um, so syncopate and wash away are excellent counter spells. Wash away is just it's a lot, especially with um, uh, with the the Oran's Epiphany meta. Mm-hmm. It is uh, a lot better. I, I think wash away existing in the format turns off saw it coming. Oh um, yeah, effectively. Yeah because uh, you just can't win those those counter wars syncopate is fantastic uh and then even things like uh geist light snare if you're running ascendant warrior uh, or ascendant spirit even uh is a really good counter spell like the just quality of the counter spells went up okay yeah see that's um, interesting because that that as you're right that does combat the kind of orange epiphany meta but i actually mm-hmm. would say that with crimson vow having been released the meta has gone completely away from the is it decks i think the is it decks are terrible now um because mono white and mono green are just so much on the rise now mono white and mono green are i I think the best decks in the format at the moment um mono white probably being better than mono green at the moment um yeah because obviously mono white got thalia and we all predicted that would push that deck quite far ahead Uh, and it has It, it, it mono white just performs so well right now um Mono Green did get a bunch of new things as well. It got the the one mana two one wolf, which is really nice. Um, yeah. It got the Cemetery Prowler, which is the three mana three four vigilance that exiles things when it comes in or something like that. It's a uh, it's very powerful. But uh, yeah, Mono White seems to be quite far ahead, which is quite which is really cool because you know I, I am a big fan of Mono White. Um, I'm not the biggest fan of the Mono White deck itself. I'm not I'm not sure how I like I like how it plays because it's it's very kind of linear. Um, yeah. It's very like, you know, play a one drop, play a, play a two drop, play a three drop, swing everything yeah. and win. Um, it, and then and then it's also like, uh, oh, I got board wipe. That's fine. I draw like, well, I don't draw cards, but I have so much backup <clears> anyway because I play like Hate Faceless Haven and, and Man Lands and things like that. It just feels quite simple to play uh, and it is just really powerful. So I don't know. It's a, It's an interesting one. But um, yeah, it, I think yeah. the meta core is definitely mono white and mono green. And to combat that, you've got like the control decks that are still in the format, like Orzhov Control, um, which I think performs quite well against those decks because it has things mm-hmm. like Vanishing Verse, um, which is really nice yeah. against those decks. But yeah, it's, it's an interesting back and forth because then if control decks became the meta, then then is it turns would come up again and just destroy those decks. So it's, you know, yes, exactly. We'll see what happens. Currently, I think aggro is on the top because mono white can deal with control decks quite easily as well. Um, so, yeah, well, this is the wheel of a healthy meta. Yeah, exactly. Um, so the citation on this is Crokey's uh, uh, tournament. Yes, yeah, his free-to-play. He's been running a yeah. tournament this weekend. Um, and the top 16, which I think is, is going to be played today. Mm. Uh, so the top 16, the, the deck breakdown is this. Five mono-white decks, mm-hmm. four mono-green decks, two Selesnia humans, one Demir control, one Demir tempo, 
one Boros Aggro, one Ors of Control, and one Jund Treasures deck. Yeah. And what's really interesting... <laughs> no, is it there at all? <laughs> yeah. There is no... Not not a single one of these deck lists runs Epiphany. Yeah. Runs R runs Epiphany, which was hmm. thought to be the best card in Standard yeah. um, before Crimson Vow came out. Now, I don't think that Crimson Vow has pushed Epiphany out. I think that Crimson Vow has just given the aggressive decks enough new tools to get underneath the Epiphany decks, mm-hmm. but all it's going to take is for more people to start playing things like Mono Black Snow and those like m- those more mid-rangey decks. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I mean, Demir Tempo, Ors of Control, um, uh, Mono Black Snow, uh, those more mid-rangey decks are going to prey on mono green and mono white on, on those those highly aggressive decks and then mm. epiphany is going to prey on those mid-range decks and that's a really healthy meta i think right now today this weekend the meta is fairly aggressive yeah but in three or four days when the podcast comes out <laughs> it might shift um, yeah it could have changed yeah it could be a more mid-range meta uh it could be a more control meta but that's good a uh, a format that's kind of wheeling that quickly where ultimately it, you know it, it starts to go so fast that it doesn't really matter what you play because um you, you know anything is is workable um that's that's that, that's good so again it's it's still very early in the format we might find that in yeah. a, a couple of months' time, the aggressive lists get tuned just right so that they are just dominant. I do think um, that will happen. I think Thalia is... Do. Yeah, because when you look at answers... Because Thalia is the strongest card, right? Or the strongest card in Mono White. Thalia is, it, is It's absurd. ridiculous, yeah. yeah. And the answers to Thalia that <clears throat> I can think of... Um, because when you think about the, the removal that it and Control decks play, you've got... Dragon's Fire, which is one of the best ones, right? You've got uh, Vanishing Verse. You've got... What else have you got? Like, I think Eliminate. Yeah, Eliminate was in Strixhaven. Um, those are all two mana, and that just doesn't deal yeah. with Thalia fast enough because you play Thalia, what are you going to do? Use your two mana spell? You can't because there's it costs three mana. <laughs> and it, it, it slows down those decks perfectly enough. Um and, and, and yeah, like the, the only sort of answers to Thalia would be one mana spells, which you then have to pay two mana for, such as Spikefield Hazard. But Spikefield Hazard is, is a very situational card, and slamming like four of those into the Izzet deck is going to just make it really, really hard to play. Yeah. Um, because, especially because it's a one mana instant that pumps your dragon for one counter, with your, sorry, your, your smoldering egg by one counter. It's just not very impactful. Um, and that, that's almost, I think that's the only like one drop or one mana instant that I can think of. I don't think black or white has any easy ways to deal with Thalia. Oh, there's Ray of Enfeeblement, actually, which is the the minus four, minus one. Actually, that is a very... Oh, that's a very good card against Thalia. Huh. Ray of Enfeeblement. Yeah. I don't even know it's this the, card. So it costs one black mana. It's this black mana. It's the Dungeons & Dragons... Uh, it's a white hate yeah. card, basically. So it's an instant that gives a creature minus four, minus one. Or if it's a white creature, minus four, minus four. Mm-hmm. For one mana at instant speed, so that's actually uh, that's that's a perfect answer for Thalia. So <laughs> maybe maybe Demir Control and and Ors of Control are gonna have to start running those potentially in the main um, to just combat those Thalia <laughs> decks. But yeah, so oh, there yeah. you go. <laughs> this is it. So 
we're, we're talking about Thalia, Guardian of Thraben, which is a two-mana oh, yeah. legendary creature. It's a 2-1. It has first strike, and it has non-creature spells cost one more to cast. Um, and this is a main deck playable card Mm-hmm. that has sideboard upsides um against other aggressive decks the uh it, it's just a good card it's just a two mana aggressive two one mm-hmm. with first strike um against control decks it has that additional non-creature spells taxation uh which just pushes it so over the top like it, this is the kind of effect that normally gets put onto cards that are fairly weak so that they're only something you'd bring in uh, from the sideboard, like Paladin class, for example. Perfect example of a similar kind of ability on a card that is only sideboard playable. Mm-hmm. Um, but Thalia is good enough to be in the main deck, even if her second ability doesn't really do anything. That's what makes her such a strong card. And yeah, I think is probably defining uh the the path for aggro in this format in this in this meta um because yeah yeah even if thalia was just uh uh was only good like was only a sideboard card that would be okay um that would be a lot lot less powerful but the fact that she's in the main deck is so rough for uh for for those control matchups for for decks with big spells even um even the mono blue list that I've been playing has a really rough time with that because all of a sudden yeah. all of your counter spells and your interaction uh, cost one more and you, you kind of get on you get anti tempoed or or un, out-tempoed. <laughs> out-tempoed. <laughs> <Anti-tempoed>. <laughs> you get you get out tempoed. Yeah. Um so yeah, I, I think you absolutely could be right. I think this definitely could be an aggressive meta. Um and I am here for that. Mm-hmm. I am here for that. I, I do think that, um, I mean, my current pet list is this uh, mono blue tempo list, and I think it does fairly well against uh, aggressive decks, except for Thalia. Uh, <laughs> it, has no, it has no way to deal with Thalia except for be on the play and Jawari disruption her. Huh? Yeah, oh but that's... That, that's quite yeah hard it's the do. same philosophy as like the spike field has it like you have to play this half tap land card that is not very good and, and yeah hope mm-hmm. it works pretty much yeah mm-hmm. yeah it's funny <laughs> um but with uh cards like meat hook massacre um and uh, what's the other board wipe Sh- shadows wait shadows verdict uh shadows Ow, verdict no. is is legal yeah um it is legal. it is yeah it's a zendikar card yeah um, but with with even like Meat Hook Massacre um, uh, being in the format, I do think that black based mid range decks will feast on control deck. Uh, sorry, on on the aggro decks if if they start to. You mean really black based control decks? Go unchecked. Mid range or control. What what mid range yeah. decks run? So, what what mid range decks are black? Uh, there's a the the Golgari list. I'd say is mid range. Oh, I, I don't think I've seen that list. Uh, oh yeah, no, it's not in the. It's not in what's the top the, sixteen. What's the core uh, of it? I can't remember. Yeah, oh, is it like the Willowgeist one? Willowgeist, I I know people have been playing that. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen it on the ladder. Um, it's a hard I don't deck know to how play. that deck plays. It's really cool. It's a really cool um, deck, and it's, it I get the idea. Enjoyable. Yeah, so the idea is just Willowgeist being the 
it's the it's a one man and one one trample creature that gets a counter every time a uh, a card leaves your your graveyard or so I, th- I think the idea is to like exile your own graveyard so you have things like uh self mill strategies like egon and and the the one mana artifact on the other side you uh run things like what else is there? Oh, the Death Death Sprout Bonnet. The that's like one of your yeah. mill engines. And I think the idea is to just play cards that like exile themselves or, or find ways to exile cards from your graveyard just to grow the Willow guys really big. Um, so I would call I would say that was that's mid-range. definitely mid range, yeah, because it runs it runs all kinds of like two mana removal. It runs like Infernal Grasp, Eliminate. It wants to survive the early turns and and make big creatures yeah. to to survive pretty much. So yeah, that's that's a mid range deck. You're right. And also, I guess the, um, the Jun Treasures yeah. deck is more of a mid-range deck. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, if you're playing Eye Twitches, Shambling Glass, yes. Ghasts, yeah. and, and then you're like uh, making treasures, sacrificing your own creatures, yeah, you're you're getting massive value um, out of each card, uh, and that is ultimately mid-range. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you sit more in aggro if you're really pushing like you, you're just you're just prioritizing that low low to the curve high power creatures that can get damage through but yeah when you're doing stuff like you're playing eye twitches and uh and cards and you know you're sacrificing them to get just get absolute maximum value like you get to learn you make a treasure you draw two cards mm-hmm. all of that that's all that's all mid-rangey tactics yeah indeed um i think that the the prevalence of aggro in this meta as well is definitely anthalia is one of these but is down to the recent printings of uh of of just cheap strong cards like the vampires deck that's been doing the rounds the rakdos vampire mm-hmm. standard list has um falcon wrath pit fighter which is a one mana two one one mana two ones are a huge deal in aggro decks. Yeah, they're nifty. A huge deal. And then there's the uh, the two mana three two. And being able to curve in in from a, a, a two power creature on turn one into a three power creature on turn two mm-hmm. is just so so good for aggressive decks. Uh, we haven't actually like that. It was only very recently that we got that kind of power at such a low curve at the beginning of this year i think aggro decks were just really missing that kind of that those high power creatures those one mana two ones mm-hmm. Indeed. Uh, so having those now yeah definitely a, a a big reason for the the prevalence of aggro in this meta but we'll see where it settles i, I hope that it doesn't settle i hope that you know people start playing more mid-range decks to beat these aggro decks and then people start playing control decks to beat the mid-range decks and then people go back to aggro to beat the control and we keep on like that Mm -hmm. if if that carries on then i think we're in for a pretty fun standard yeah um which is very sorely needed yeah definitely it's been a while what kind of what approach do you guys take to cosmetics in arena i think Um, they're really dumb yeah don't do it (laughs) Um, um, I don't spend a lot of money on cosmetics, but sometimes I will spell and spend my like uh, coins yeah. that I accumulate. I'll, on I'll cosmetics. spend coins on cosmetics because there's like some some of the sleeves are actually really nice. Yeah, oh. um, and one of the challenges that I have. Okay, so for example, I I have decided that mono blue tempo is going to be my my pet standard deck yeah. for 
for the time being. Oh. And so I want an avatar and sleeves that yeah. reflect that. <laughs> I, um, I think that's okay. So Gandalf. I because it's like it's mono blue tempo there's a lot of flying creatures it, it's and it's about control like it's it, that's pretty much what it is it's, it's evasion yeah uh, and control um <clears throat> my avatar is mu yanli uh, i thought so uh, yeah because she's the planeswalker <laughs> that most fits that but i don't like mu yanli <laughs> i don't i don't like i don't think it's a nice avatar i'd rather have the kiora avatar um, <laughs> because at least she's blue, and I like Kiora. Oh yeah, you'll, you'll choose um, Kiora because she's blue. That's why you chose that one. <laughs> not because the avatar art is highly suggestive. Not suggestive. <laughs> it's it, but yeah, Kiora is a a, a mommy. A, a fish. <laughs> a <mommy>. what? Um, <laughs> that was really really horrible what, to hear. What are you trying to say? <laughs> Because it sounds like you're saying umami really badly. She probably is umami. <laughs> oh god, this is no, this is going to get into a weird conversation. <laughs> Let's, I don't. I mean, given that she's mo- like a fish. I don't even think I know what her avatar looks like. I'm trying. Oh, to... have a look, Sarah. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to Google it. it, but I'm just seeing like. MTG Arena Cure avatar. Yeah, but it's only. Let's just say she's got the thighs out. Yeah, she's she's thick. Oh, is she... whoa! <laughs> <laughs> that but that whoa was not because I saw a picture of her. It's because I don't know you guys oh, no. would have heard it, but um, I got I clicked on what I thought was a picture, but it took me to a video, and it was "How's it going, boys?" really loudly <laughs> in my ear <laughs> from oh, nowhere. He does do he does use Kiora a lot in his Our, thumbnails. Um, Oh yeah, our, our, our favorite, <laughs> our favorite. What's his name? White Dragon. That literally. The Great White shit, Dragon. That, that Great White Dragon. That's it. That um. Yeah. <laughs> that shit me up a little bit, but I think I have a picture of her now. I mean. Yeah, a lot of his that thumbnails. Shit you up a little bit. It did. <laughs> think of him really loudly in your ear. That would shit anyone up. How's uh, it going, boys? He is learning the art of marketing for sure. Yeah. Of um, clickbait by just plastering like is she like anime girls is she, all over his thumbnails? Is she sat on her? Is she sat on a tentacle? Um, uh, no. Okay. Uh, well, <laughs> you let me. Something else. You might be looking at a different picture. Well, yeah. This is the <laughs> yeah, end. Oh god. Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, no. We're talking about a YouTube channel called MTG Arena Original Decks. Oh, it's um, one of my favorite. Y- yeah, definitely would advise checking it out it sounds really tame and it's just not it's not at all it's it's the guy's insane but so funny (laughs) oh here we go change avatar i'm I'm on actual arena now i obviously won't have kiora but i'm sure i can see her like yeah you can see the the grayed out one yeah see muyanling is lame and i don't want to use the avatar but i am because it fits the deck better i use i use dina Um, and i've got dina yeah dina's great See, i really like the dina avatar yeah but I can't have a Dina avatar and play mono blue. But do you know what, Josh? This is the thing. Oh, I, I actually have... I, I have genuinely used avatars as information <laughs> in turn one. Yeah, yeah, pe- people do. <laughs> like, people I come against a do. Teferi avatar and I'm like, all right, time to strap. I'm playing my one drop now. Yeah. I'm playing my... <laughs> it educates your opening hand. But I think this is a part of magic. Um, because when I didn't play Arena and I used to only play paper... Yeah. Um, I would normally 
try to ask someone what they were playing before we even shuffled mm-hmm. oh, that's um, just... and talk about oh how's your night going what are you playing you know uh, what matchups have you had uh, and it's not that I would be I wasn't really competitive about it but that was information mm. and where I couldn't do that I would <laughs> look at people and try to <laughs> and and use the information that I was processing to try and determine what deck that person might play. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> okay. how it goes, yeah. Um, so, for example, I'd sit across the table from someone like Sam, and I'd be like, this is clearly a filthy tin. Hey. <laughs> and... <laughs> Uh, I need to, yeah, I need to keep a control I... hand because this this guy's playing. Hey, right. I have played a myriad of different decks. Okay. <laughs> hey, hey, I, I have I have played control several times. <laughs> Thank you very. I much. have. I have played. I've had. What a... are you playing in standard at the moment? What are you playing in standard at the moment? <laughs> Grow like right. Hmm. <laughs> I rest. I rest my face. <laughs> okay, but it's because control sucks right now. God. <laughs> oh man. Uh, you kinda... Said like a true Timmy. Um, yeah. So I think it's a part of magic uh, to sit down across the table from somebody and get information before the game starts. Uh, and I see the avatars and sleeves <laughs> as, as a part way of that. doing that. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. That's that's why I try and throw people off with it. Because like I have and a the name. I have a Dina avatar and then boom mono white you know <laughs> yeah. like they're just they just don't expect yeah. it. maybe I should go full like I should use like the Nickel Bolas or the or the Ugin or the Teferi avatar and then just slam down by Gruel Werewolves like, they'll <laughs> never know they'll never see it coming yeah that see I, I think that I, I get that that's like <laughs> rocking up to a GP or an FNM um, in like a suit in like a full three piece suit <laughs> and then and then and then laying down the the, the mono no, red that's the thing i don't i think a full three piece suit is actually the most ambiguous magic player i've ever heard of like <laughs> i would not be able to tell what they're playing at all no, no actually <laughs> you'd have no idea so what what does a quintessential control player look like um i would say uh you know i would say it's the way they shuffle their deck yeah, I was gonna. I would. So I have the. Yeah, exactly what I was thinking. Actually, yeah. it's the way they like. If they're a, if they're flicking their cards. Oh, a lot, flicking their cards. Yep, yeah, that's the one thing. They're they're a control player. That's a control player. They're used to having a hand full of cards <laughs> for, for the whole game. Yeah, uh, that's a control player. Hundred percent. When, when they look at their hand, they sort of look at it briefly, like they're playing poker or something, and then put it back down on yeah. the table, face down. <laughs> that's another thing do you know what? we should just yeah. we should just be like a, a magic the gathering psychology they're, channel or something yeah <laughs> they're jotting down known information yeah. uh as they go whereas if you're a red mage you don't give a shit what the other person's got in yeah hand. you'll, you'll show matter. your hand to them and be like i'm going to burn you yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh man that's the that's the psychology around magic the gathering everyone tune in <laughs> uh. it is um when you play in paper, psychology is a big part of it. Mm-hmm. Big part of it. Um, I mean, there are like those famous plays which are arguably unethical. Um, uh, where so one example uh, is the I can't remember the the details or the players involved because I've I've not prepared this story, but it was a high level magic event. Uh, two pros were playing, mm-hmm. and it was during the Ixalan meta. Okay. Yeah. Um, so one of the players um, has lethal 
on the board. Um, and he could attack with everything and th- th- he would be representing lethal, but this was a settle the wreckage meta. Mm. Um, and settle the wreckage exiles all attacking creatures, so you have to be very careful about attacking into it. Um, however, if he didn't attack with everything, then it wouldn't be lethal, exactly because the other player had a flipped Legion's Landing, right, which yeah. meant they could they could pay some mana and produce a one-one vampire to block. I think we, I think we spoke about this before. Yeah, so they could yeah. they could either pay four mana to settle, or they could pay essentially four mana to make the one-one yeah. blocker. Yeah. <laughs> So you don't know uh, when you're when you're facing that you don't know what your opponent has got, um, and so when um, the attacking player said they're going to combat, the guy on the other side of the table reached across the table to grab a one-one vampire token, mm. and that was a sign to the other player that he should attack with everything. Yeah. He's going to make a 1-1 one, one token. You, yeah. So I'm going to attack with everything. And then the player across the table actually put the token back and played Settle the Wreckage. <laughs> so he used that action. He used that reaching for yeah. the 1-1 one, one token to trick his um, opponent into um, making a play. Yeah. And and yeah, th- th- that's psychological. And, and um, LSV has talked about this before as well. Um, he has talked about one of the, one of the things that um, actually, no, LSV wasn't talking about it. Um, that's Luis Scott Vargas, the Magic Pro. Um, someone else was talking about what LSV is really good at. I think it might have been PVDDR, one of his YouTube videos. He was talking about <laughs> how, how LSV is so good at magic, what LSV in particular is really good at. Um, and he's really good at playing against worse players. Um, LSV is... <laughs> which which sounds funny. quite easy <laughs> sounds sounds quite easy i am really good at at playing magic against people who are worse at playing magic than me <laughs> um but lsv takes this to another level because um he's really good at leading a uh, at, at kind of leading a, a bad not a bad player but a worse player in a certain direction so little things like um if you're a magic pro sat across from somebody else, like another magic pro. Um, let's say you've got a um, a blue red um, shot uh, fetch land. What's that called? Scalding tarn. Yeah, yeah, blue red fetch land, scalding tarn. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you've got <clears throat> scalding tarn on the battlefield. To an experienced magic player, that scalding tarn represents red or blue mana. Even though it doesn't produce either, it represents red or blue. Um, and so let's say you want to represent a lightning bolt. You want to represent a one mana or a shock or just a, a, a burn spell. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe you want to... Uh, maybe you want to bluff and represent that you've got a lightning bolt when you actually don't. LSV is very good at thinking about things like, I'm going to sack this scalding tarn now and get the mountain now to represent the lightning bolt so that my opponent doesn't play mm. this creature this turn yeah, he's kind of acknowledging so, that they're not going to think that far ahead <laughs> exactly yeah um whereas against a very very good player 
uh, he doesn't need to make that move. Yeah. He doesn't need to make that move That's because that, that really good player knows, well, he's got a Scalding Tarn, which could be a Lightning Bolt, and he knows that they've already thought about it. But he like he's very good at guiding a less experienced player down the road that he wants them to go down, mm. um, which is a concept in Magic that is just beyond i mean i just can't even believe it like it's beyond me um and yeah when you sat across a table from somebody in high level magic events that psychology is super important Mm -hmm. um uh and it's it still is a thing in arena but it's less of a thing it's less of a thing um so if you watch covert go blues youtube videos he does touch on this frequently he will frequently um comment on how the opponent may or may not have this card because of the way that they've played you know um if they had uh if they had a doom scar then they wouldn't have hesitated to make this play that they made last turn or something like that which means that if they have a doom scar it's because they ripped it off the top of their library uh and the chances of that are pretty low therefore i can make this play that i'm about to make and so the psychology does still come into it in arena um Mm. and it's it's definitely like it it, that's where like that's where high level magic i think gets the most interesting um, because that's not just magic at that point. That's just uh, that's just kind of game theory, I suppose. Mm-hmm. I was I was gonna say because earlier you talked about how it was like potentially an unethical thing that 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 uh, the what was it the Adanto guy played uh, Adanto's mm-hmm. fort and and set on the wreckage play. I I mean, would you would you call that unethical? I absolutely wouldn't. I think that's I wouldn't. No, no I I don't think you should like. I, I wouldn't not do that just because it's, you know, unethical or whatever. I think that's that's on the opponent. That's on the person who was attacking. It was their choice to consider that as information, um, which you shouldn't. You shouldn't have considered. Should, that was a mistake on his behalf. His mistake was, was considering the fact that he pulled that token out as information. Yeah. But that's not part of the game at all. You shouldn't have, he yeah. shouldn't have done that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I don't think it's unethical. Uh, which is another yeah I, I don't think you can say it is because what's really interesting about it is that the the guy who was attacking mm-hmm. only attacked all because he read the information in his opponent mm-hmm. uh his opponent just gave him that information mm-hmm. um and let him decide what to do with it and he made a choice yeah. so yeah it uh, tricky and I, I do get both sides of the argument but i don't think so i don't think it is unethical yeah so this this weekend that was actually quite uh quite fun because so as as we as we've said before every friday we go to our local game store to play magic um unfortunately josh you're not not present because you're in a different country (laughs) um so it does make it a little bit more difficult for you to come but you know come whenever you like anyway um so uh, as as a participation prize for 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 you know participating we get a promo pack right we each get a promo pack um and it contains about three cards. They're all got prom- they've all got promo stamps, and they're sometimes foil or mostly foil. Um, Sarah and I got some pretty insane pulls. <laughs> so the first thing that happened with me was I so I got a Kaldheim promo pack, and I literally said, "Please can I get coma? Please can I get coma? Please can I get coma?" Opened it, got coma promo shiny foil. Like bang. manifested it. I think I think you have actual magic powers now, Sammy. I do, I do. Because even even the modern pack that I, I opened a modern horizons pack last week, uh, and I was like, "Please, can I get a fetch land?" And I got verdant catacombs, which is the only in color fetch land for Lord Wingrace uh, in modern horizons. <laughs> so that was that was. Why did you? Why did you want coma? Um, because it was a Caldheim pack. 
and it was like oh, what right. you yeah. could have had. Wanted, I just, yeah. just wanted yeah, the big There wasn't anything in particular. <laughs> I just thought I, the only thing I could think of that would value from Kaldheim was was coma, and and boom, I got it. It was great. Uh, and yeah, then Sarah, you got uh, yeah. I got well, Sarah, you can oh, go so ahead I had and a, yours. Yeah, I had a, a midnight hunt pack, and I got Ren and Seven, and then was mm-hmm. immediately scared that I'd got Ren and Seven because. We were in, there's like a little back room in our local game store and we were sat in there. Yeah. We were playing like, there's about 10 of us playing in three different pods and yeah, everyone just stared at me and then one guy was like, I'll give you 20 quid for it, I'll give you 20 quid for it. Jordan, who is my brother, like took it off of me and put it into that little app and he was like, oh Sarah, it's worth $24. Sam was like, don't sell it, don't sell it, keep it. And I was like, oh my God, I'm so overwhelmed. I wish I just got shit pulls. Like <laughs> it was, uh, <laughs> it was, it was, <laughs> it was like, I mean, I'm really glad I got it, but in like the initial 20 seconds after getting it, there was like a second of me going, Oh my God, this is the good card. Cause I'd never pull good stuff from the promo packs, but they're free. So I'm not complaining. Yeah. And then it was followed by about 19 seconds of what felt like everybody just shouting at me. <laughs> and, then, and then I, yeah. I, just, I didn't know what to do. And then I was just like, Everyone I'm just going to put it in my yeah. folder. Yeah, I love that. Running, I really yeah. love that about Paper Magic. When you when you pull a card and everybody in the store is excited for mm-hmm. you, that's, it's that's very... such a lovely sense of community. Yeah, it is, but it's not also just that very it's overwhelming. It's not just that Renna 7's pricey, it's also very, very limited in stock. Like, there's like almost everyone in the store has been trying to get their hands on one. So Sarah's a bit of a celebrity. Well, should I hold like an <laughs> auction? Well, somebody pulled a Vorinclex a couple of weeks ago. Um, yes, they did. Yeah. And if mm-hmm. if if she wants Ren and Seven, uh, that's definitely not a fair trade because, well, price wise. But you know what? They're just uh, cards. If you're not going to do anything with they're them, about, they're about the same price. Um, it's a Phyrexian Warren Clex. Oh, if it's the Phyrexian it was, one, that was, one's like fifty yeah, pounds. Yeah, it's the Phyrexian one. Yeah. But yeah, so uh, that, that that was. A, is that, that was not a the one call. I want? Is it not the Vorin Clex oh, oh, I want? Well, one's just alternate art. Yeah, sorry, no. The Phyrexian Vorin Clex is the alternate art one where the text is actually in the Phyrexian language. And that was Would you pull that a from lot. a promo pack? Uh, I think you can only pull it from a promo pack. Oh, okay. Potentially. Well, it's a very rare card, yeah. Well, maybe maybe, maybe she wants Ren and Seven and then we can just swap. Because... <laughs> <laughs> well, they're just... Like, obviously, I, yeah. I know price is a factor, but they are just pieces of card if you're not going to do anything with mm-hmm. them. So that's the thing that Josh wanted to talk about, right, was the philosophy of selling cards for money. Yeah, um, and I guess the question is, uh, so Sarah, you mentioned that somebody offered to give you 20 quid for Ren and Seven yeah. right there. Uh, I guess the question is, would you have taken that offer? Um, and I think it's interesting because we've arrived at different answers. Mm-hmm. So Sarah, you decided not to take that offer. Well, I decided. Um, I would just like to say it's a, it's an op- like it's a standing offer. The guy was like, anytime you want to sell it. Um, I just <laughs> said I was like, there's just it was just too much right in that moment, and I didn't know how much it was worth. I know Jordan did the thing with dollars, but mm-hmm. I was just like, I'm just gonna put it in my folder, and we'll just deal with this another time. But I can't. That mm-hmm. guy wants the card, so he'll buy it from me whenever. So maybe I'll still sell it. I mean, it's twenty quid. I would, I would have sold it there and then. The only reason I didn't is because Sammy told me not to. Because then yep. I was like, okay, maybe I should wait. So Sammy, what's your what's your philosophy behind that line of thinking? Um, so this is the thing. Like, I it, it was really tough because okay, so say you sold that Ren and Seven 
for £25 or however much it's worth, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's not worth £20, it's worth £25. Yes, well, I did check um, on um, Axie and after and it is worth £25. Yeah. Uh, so, so say you sold that. that. That money, would you spend that on another magic card? Or would mm, you just, like, pro- keep it? Um, like, what, what's that sort actually, of money to What's an, that money to yeah, you? That's an interesting it's question. It's up to you, I suppose. But, that, because, but I do that, like that line of thinking of, now you've got £25 mm-hmm. that was from a magic card. Do I then buy... Yeah. I mean, I could afford none of my proxies um, because they're way more right. than 25 But I quite like that. That that's an int- I hadn't thought about that. But yeah, maybe if you sell because, it mm-hmm. and you buy a magic card you need, then that's totally worth it. Yeah, because this is the thing. Like we 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 always think like uh, let's say like a fifty pound card we would never buy, right? We would never yeah. buy like a fifty pound card. But what if you pulled two random sevens? Would you sell those and then buy a fifty pound yeah. card, or would you still refuse to uh, buy a fifty pound card because it's that expensive? I. It's really tough, I've, right? Yeah, I actually don't think I would buy a fifty pound card. So I've it just it's a little mm. bit off topic, but somewhat related in terms of proxying. Now I've actually taken out a lot of my proxies because i kind of thought ones that like i don't really overpowered ones but also ones i'm never going to buy should they be in there should they not but like for mm-hmm. example in ren and uh ren and seri i have the three car um like anointed mm-hmm. procession doubling season and whatever the other and, one is they're just yeah, double parallel tokens lives, yeah parallel lives they're like 40 quid each i'm absolutely right. never going to buy those also, that 40 so quid, then, is, I've just pulled that off the top of my head, but I think that's right. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's around that. But then, so say there was like a, say the doubling season was 50 pounds or something. If you pull two run and sevens and someone else in the store had a doubling season and offered you to trade your two run and sevens for a doubling season, <sighs> would you take that trade? Like, monetary value is the exact same. Yeah, but I don't... <laughs> Honestly, it's really tough, right? I wouldn't, I, but... I, I would. I, I, I don't think it's tough. <laughs> no, I wouldn't, but that's because we play with very nice people that don't mind proxying, and I don't mm-hmm. really ever see myself play... Like, I have decks with no proxies, so if I was to ever play against people that didn't want to play, someone with mm-hmm. proxies, I'd just play a different deck. I don't ever see yeah. myself needing my Rin and Seri deck in a competitive setting where having the th- actual versions of parallel lives etc would be worth it so i probably wouldn't i would just have that 50 quid and spend it on something else but i don't think that's a bad idea i just don't think i'm the the cards i proxy yeah i'm not bothered about them enough ridden series like a fun deck the the doubling tokens is just so i can put more pictures of my pets on the battlefield (laughs) maybe i would like, I would swap it for Roaring Clex, which is in my Atraxa deck. Mm-hmm. I'd be more inclined a to do that. Version, yeah. Yeah, yeah, proxy version. Um, because that deck... I don't know, there's more chance, I think, of me using that in a competitive setting. Also, mm-hmm. that's the only proxied card in it, so then it would be... Yeah, there'd be no proxies in it. But no, I wouldn't swap it. I wouldn't swap two of them for a Parallel Lives. I'd just spend £50 on something else. So I have a friend who bought a volcanic island. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and at first I said to him, that is, there is literally no reason that you could justify that purchase. That is insane. And it's such a pointless thing yeah, to spend like, that Yeah, it's like, what, 500, 600 pounds? <clears throat> yeah, it might have been 300. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know. But yeah, something in that range. 
Um, and uh, he came back and said, well, look, my, my favorite commander deck is my Grixis Planeswalkers Super Friends deck. Um, Volca Volcanic Island is the uh, original island mountain dual land. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, he said that I exclusively paid for it by selling cards that were in my collection that I wasn't using. Mm -hmm and bought a single card that went straight into my favorite commander deck. Mm -hmm. um, and I can't really fault that. I can't yeah. fault that line of thinking. Um, like if, I, if I let's say that. I had 300 pounds. <laughs> uh, if, if, if I had 300 pounds to spend on magic, um, I may not want to buy another commander deck. I may want to buy a single card for one of my existing decks. Um, and I can't, yeah, I, I, I can't really see fault that's, in that. That's, logic, that's what it what is, actually, think, yeah. So my, my initial fault was that if you, it depends on, you know, if that, that if you've decided that that money that from selling your cards is for your Magic the Gathering cards budget, that's fine. That's but fine, yeah. You need to have, you need to have that in the initial, like if, if someone doesn't have that, right, they, they kind of pull their budget together. They're like, oh, I could spend this on magic or food or living or whatever. Obviously, you've got to, you've got to be in a position to prioritize that. But that's a whole different conversation. <laughs> that's a whole nother, yeah. whole nother yeah. thing. Um, so in, in that case, then yeah, I can't fault that logic where it's their money that they have specifically for Magic the Gathering. But then, then I do that, kind that of, I, I, I fault a little bit them spending it on, on an original dual land. Like, but that's just yeah. my personal opinion. Well, because like you, yeah. like, you could buy one or two cards, or even like it. one card for <laughs> yes, basically. And I know, I know, lands are good. Don't everybody like yeah. hate on it me? It is objectively more powerful, though. Why? Why is like, it? Arguably, I would say that. What? Well, why is it? Yeah, I'm basically trying to ask: Is there another dual land that comes in untapped without with the land types? Shocklands no. is the only thing. Then they don't have the land they do. types. Yeah. Oh, yeah. do they? Shocklands, Shockland, oh, the only okay. difference in Shocklands and Dual Lands is the two life. That's what makes them £500 different. Oh, yeah. Oh, sorry. I was thinking of Fetchlands. Um, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, but, yeah, that's still objectively better. Um, so, uh, Dual Lands are, there. there is an objective game, like, reason. But, and I would say that it makes more sense to me to spend your money on a dual land than it does to spend an extra 30 pounds on the alternate borderless foil version of a card well, no, uh, because that's not objectively i think better. what sarah's it's trying to get at is thing. why would you pay why would you spend like that much money on a dual land when you could spend almost a fraction of that price to maybe even more in, with upgrade your deck with way more impact yes yeah yeah i'm not talking the, about like cosmetic upgrades yeah. i'm talking just about cards that make your deck like a quality. lot better yeah, because because yes yes the dual land is objectively better but the 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 thing is like by how much because it's really Cause two, like realistically it's not like, that much two life in a commander game is, better. is nothing yeah. but that that can be a that that can be a positive i think well that's the thing like let's say i had 300 pounds to spend on one of my mm -hmm. decks if i spend that 300 pounds upgrading one of my decks it suddenly becomes too powerful for my player group yeah okay but just replacing one dual thing, land yeah. but then i don't... doesn't really improve the deck significantly and that's not always a bad thing you maintain the power level of your deck whilst still investing i kind of feel variable, like that's a though. little bit irrelevant not irrelevant because i do understand your point but yeah i think 
Is that the decision yeah. that was made though? Oh, I want to buy, I have 300 pounds to spend on magic cards. I'd love to upgrade my decks, mechanics, etc. but then it will make it too powerful for my playgroup. So I'll just spend 300 pound on dual land. I don't really think that's the line of like, thinking. No, but that's a different argument. So that's effectively, you know, that's, like, I can't fault the logic. I also can't comment on whether that actually was the logic that was no. followed. Yeah. Um, maybe not, but that's a different I think. I think, no, because the original point that Sarah was making is that it, it's kind of comparing the, the upgrade and how much it upgrades your deck by to the amount, the, like the price of the card. Like, so say, mm-hmm. say you take out a, a shock land. So say you take out a steam vents for a volcanic island, right? That's maybe 285 pounds difference uh, between the two cards for, uh, in, and now, now you don't have to pay two a life every time it comes into play, right? 285 pounds for that. Yeah. Whereas you yeah. can then you could you could also spend that money on upgrading your uh, maybe he has unsummoned in the deck and he decides you know what I'll put fading hope in for twenty five p and that's a strict upgrade mm. uh, and potentially a stronger I don't know if it's actually a stronger upgrade but do you know what I mean like it it, it comes yeah. down to valuing the actual upgrade itself like the how much how much it increases the power level of the deck. Um, and and that's yeah, what I'm, I would rather spend the money on. Yeah, I I really my, like in, the in logic opinion, of yeah. I spent like this came from me selling magic related stuff, so I'm gonna spend it on magic related stuff. On I I think stuff, that's yeah. really good good yeah. logic. But and then I think it just comes down to what what do you think is worth it? Because I think yeah, me and Sammy are in yeah. the same place with that. If I had three hundred pounds that I yeah. decided to spend on magic, I would. I don't even think lands would come into it. Definitely not lands that cost that much. I would upgrade all well for 300 pounds i'd probably upgrade all of my decks and make them a lot better probably buy but a what, bunch of decks. what if you have done that as well at what point well, that's, that's a different variable again like like with the with the variable of i don't want to make it too powerful and the variable of maybe my deck is literally fully maxed out power level the only thing yeah. left is the dual lands then yeah that makes sense because the only thing you can do to make that deck better is buy the dual lands for it then sure that's fine because there's nothing else you can spend that money on uh, to make it better and so i i think it's I, I think that what we've settled on is that it's pretty hard to distill this into set advice because everybody's at different places exactly, in their yeah. financial and magic the gathering journeys mm-hmm. some people who have been playing for decades have refined decks and they only have small improvements to make but maybe they still want to make improvements to their decks mm-hmm. um and so <laughs> possibly dual lands are the only options without overpowering yeah. the decks um going back to the original question though um let's say Let's say generously, Ren and Seven is is worth thirty pounds. Mm-hmm. You could buy it for thirty pounds. Um, I would still sell it for twenty on right there on the spot nah. because if you're not nah. going to play the card, <laughs> if you're not going to play the card, then I think there's two major schools of thought. Um, I think strictly it's better to better value to keep it for trades, combine it with another thirty pound card, trade it for a sixty pound mm-hmm. card. But very rarely, very rarely are trades ever that specific. Um, I know some people get quite um, uh, like 
they, they, or they really want to balance the value yeah. of cards that they're trading mm -hmm. but most people aren't most of the time when i've whenever i've traded cards it's been pretty loose it's been a pretty like oh but this is worth that and that's worth this are you okay with that and nobody's ever really cared um so i don't think that the value can be held to a specific account um when you're considering trades mm -hmm. the other line of thinking is is selling the card elsewhere now let's say you pay uh, a very small estimate of I don't know, three pounds to package and ship the card somewhere um, then your profit is well then you're making 27 pounds and let's say you spend a total of one hour of your life looking for someone to buy it online and then preparing it and shipping it to them was that hour worth seven pounds because that's less than minimum wage and i think I'm, I'm a bit out of getting very finite yeah <laughs> um yeah but... but yeah that's not worth it i think it is worth it to sell it for 20 quid on the spot you don't have to do any work you don't have to find anybody who wants to buy it or trade it you don't have to package it you just get 20 quid I wouldn't... so i think i think i, would I wouldn't it. yeah i wouldn't sell um, it online that's that doesn't just happen you have to find somebody who i would, wants, who would, I would be buy ren and seven for 25 pounds off of sarah because I want it for Lord Wingrace. Sell it to Sam. <laughs> but yeah, I wouldn't like. Then, I wouldn't sell it online. Yeah, like, obviously, God. obviously, I'm not saying if you've got two people in front of you <laughs> and one of them wants to pay twenty five pound for it, one of them wants to pay okay, 20, no, no, yeah, you should sell that, it. For that's 20. a stupid thing. But what I am you, saying right. is that it it is worth it to just sell it for twenty quid there on the spot because even if it's worth thirty pounds, um, ultimately the time and like the the money that that you like you just it's better to just sell the card if you're not going to actually play it and you're going to trade or sell it at some point it's better to sell it right there on the spot the guy yes you're giving him a, a discount but the person who's buying it off of you is giving you uh, a service in a sense by saving you the time and the packaging so, but then it's like and the yeah finding. but much, you can much... sell it to <laughs> other people in a game store though like i don't i don't i dis i agree with you sorry when it comes to like selling it online i definitely wouldn't go through the hassle of putting it online and shipping it etc but i don't think you need to take the first offer you're given on the spot in a game store where as sammy said other people are looking for red and seven like our game store buys cards they might buy it off of me mm -hmm. probably, like i don't think would, yeah. i don't think you take the initial someone shouting at you within five seconds of opening it saying i'll give you 20 quid for it uh i think oh no obviously when you're in a position where you don't know how much it's worth and you're overwhelmed just hold on to it because there's always a chance that somebody's going to try and take advantage of your lack of experience um but i would sell a run in seven for 20 quid um now now that i know it's worth 25 this... i'll find someone that wants it for 25 <laughs> i i think that's over optimizing um, because why would somebody? I found someone. Sammy just said buy it. Like, if it's tw if it's twenty five <laughs> to buy to buy online, nobody is going to buy it well, off that, of you then and there for twenty five. The because Josh. if they wanted it, they would have just paid for it already. Bought no, it because that's, I... that's like... the reason it's such a good pull is because it's really you can't buy it online right now. <laughs> and There's also, you can do no the same the same logic that you said about shipping costs and time <clears throat> somebody that yeah. buys it for 25 pound online has to wait a week for it to turn up and has to pay about like you said two to three pound in shipping as well yeah so it's not they just get a service it yeah. immediately for to... from me for 25 there and then yeah yeah 
Um, I think it's over-optimizing, though. I think even if it takes you 30 minutes to find somebody who wants to buy it, that's 30 minutes, and that's that's five pounds for 30 minutes of your time, um, which isn't really. A but good is 30 deal. minutes talking to time people? A lot, though. Like I do, I we've had. Well, my my time is very valuable, <laughs> and I I totally agree with that, which is why probably well, I wouldn't go to the hassle of selling online. But 30 minutes talking to people in our local game store. So I that, would that, just spend yeah. thirty minutes doing that anyway. That like that that doesn't seem like a waste of my time. That just seems like That's talking true. to people in our magic community. That's true, but I still think that like twenty quid is good enough. Somebody gets a card they want to play, you get twenty quid. I think it's good enough. I don't think you need to over optimize it. So I would still I would sell it for twenty quid. I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> what would you do, guys? Tweet us at ChatStormPod yeah. and say yeah, how much how much know. is five pounds worth know. to you. <laughs> no, no, not how much is. What does that even mean? Would you sell a Ren and Seven if you had? If you're gonna, if you want a Ren and Seven for one of your decks, then imagine you already have four. You don't need it. Would you sell a spare Ren and Seven for twenty quid? Like, uh, like immediately, like quick sell, quick sell it. Yeah, like slide it across the table. They slide twenty quid back, and you're on yeah. your way. Bob, you Bob's your uncle, Fanny's your aunt. Skittles. Yeah. Twenty pounds worth of skittles. That seems like an error. That seems like something our do brother you know would I do. Used to, do you know what I used to really enjoy doing? Um, back when I used to trade, and back when I used to play in person, uh, I used to really like trading people packs. Oh, okay. So I would buy, uh, or I would get packs as prizes for events or promo packs, and I would trade those cards that i wanted or to sweeten a trade deal or something mm-hmm. um because because magic the gathering players just oh they just they just love an unopened They're pack. Addicted. like an, an unopened pack is worth so much more than four pounds in a trade yeah but i think that's just i think the pack thing and actually i'm gonna tell this story really quickly and then i'll have to ask jordan whether or not he's okay with it going in the podcast but i'm sure he'll be fine but jordan is my little brother and my mum has told me that i have to stop him buying packs when we go to magic on fridays (laughs) oh no (laughs) yeah because that makes him sound like he's like yeah i say little brother he's like 22 and like six foot two (laughs) but like because yeah like i'll I'll, he still lives with my mum and we'll often speak over the weekend and she'll she'll always be like oh jordan said he had a nice time on friday blah 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 and then she (laughs) she literally because she knows now what he's like she's always like so did he um did he get any packs (laughs) because she just knows and obviously in the last couple weeks sammy you both times have bought like one modern horizons pack right i've only bought packs from i bought a modern horizon pack for every time that i don't buy anything from the shop basically yeah no which is fine but every time you've bought one jordan's bought three yeah i kind of goaded (laughs) him on a little bit and literally on friday when you went oh i like because of your manifesting coma you're like i'm gonna buy a pack i think you had not even finished the word pack and jordan went yeah me too (laughs) <laughs> like all it took was that little bit of suggestion there's potentially um, something there yes and that's like what 22 pound for three packs of... 22 for three modern horizons yeah and i, so d- I don't like, even know if his pools were that good either that's like 44 pounds in seven days on packs yeah which i think is madness and now i'm on pack watch for for my 20 for my 22 <laughs> year old six foot two brother but yeah 
Which I think. Yeah, Wizards of the Coast have done a lot of work over the years <laughs> to keep the the G word away from their paper products. Mm-hmm. What's the G? What, uh, what's the G word? Gambling. You know, big G. Gambling. Oh, gambling! I was like, oh god, what? No, gambling. Because it is yeah. gambling. You know, it, it. Yeah, it is. It is gambling for children. <laughs> um. And uh, but wizards and wizards lawyers have tried very, very, very hard to keep that uh, as far away from magic as possible mm-hmm. well thank you for listening and sarah sam thank you for joining me i will catch up with you both next week oh, cool. uh your homework is to play magic the gathering Ugh. and lame yeah, uh what a lame game <laughs> i'm yeah i'm not it's just really nerdy and that's just not my vibe so yeah I don't me know if neither I sorry josh sorry Um, who who do we know that plays magic a lot? Most of our friends. Yeah, <laughs> almost but... all of them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, most of your friends. Like outside of our play group, nobody else in my life plays magic, and probably Neither mine. Probably <laughs> what does that mean? I mean, outside of my Magic: The Gathering play group, nobody in my life plays magic. <laughs>